Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Family Stories Podcast, where each story reveals the love and the grace of God in a unique way through somebody's life. I'm Grandpa Jimmy, your host, and it's my privilege to bring you these stories. I want to read a quick scripture to you. It's Mark 10, 21 and 22, and it says this. Now, as he was going on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That's God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear fault witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, and he didn't say he condemned him. He loved him. One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, God's grace and the salvation he has given us is free. Yet if you choose to follow Jesus, if you choose to become a disciple, it will cost you something eventually. And my guest today is is going to speak about this very thing. I have to tell you, although I was raised in Colorado, farm and cattle country, I have never, ever ridden a bull and only mounted the back of a horse but a few times. My guest, on the other hand, made a life and a living doing just that. Many of you have probably watched this man ride bulls, at least on TV. And in 1997, he was crowned the world champion of the PRCA, and he received that award riding bulls. And, of course, along the way, he qualified for the, uh, the PRCA and the PBR finals many times. He was a co-founder of the PBR. And for those of you who don't know, the PBR is the big dog in bull riding. He's the founder and executive director of Western Harvest Ministries, conquering the beast of bull riding league, uh, director of FCA Cowboy Chapter, and more. There's a lot I could say about him. But I just want to welcome him. Scott Mendez, thank you for coming and being on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Mr. Jimmy. What a privilege and an honor it is to be with you today. And I'm so excited about what you're doing and and how the Lord is guiding uh, all your efforts. Well, thank you. And, you know, to begin this today, I know that family is very, very important to you. It's one of your, next to Jesus, I think it's probably your number one priority in life. Tell us just a little bit about them. Yeah, I have been very, very blessed. You know, I, I don't know if I would be who I am today without my better part. And my wife, Angel, and I, what a what a great story and a journey that we've been on with the Lord's blessing. And I, I just, uh, you know, we weren't walking uh, the way God wanted us to in the very beginning, but we made vows to each other, vows to God, commitments. And uh, through the journey and over the years, you know, we're going on. I think we're right around the 20, I better get it right, 24, 25 years. Yeah, you, we want, dated. you, you want to get that right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. I, I was thinking, I didn't want to hold up the show, but uh, we, <laughs> date, we dated for a year before we got married. And, uh, but we, we've been really blessed. We have three beautiful children. My oldest son is 22. He was just a baby when I won my world title. And uh, so Caden is 22. My daughter, uh, Jordan, Ashley, she's 16, uh, almost 17 next month. 
And then my youngest boy, Colton, he's 13 and he's my little rancher. He loves to work cows and shoot guns and do all the things that 13 year old boys love to do. So, and, and you don't mind great... doing it with him either, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I, when I have time to, we love to get out in the country in the wide open air. Well, Scott, I have uh, grandkids that are the same age as your children. Uh, in fact, I was looking at the ages. Our oldest grandson is 22 and our youngest is 13. <laughs> no, 14. I guess he's 14 now. So it's really strange. I mean, you guys have been married 26 years, uh, double that, and you got Shirley and me. Yeah, so, yeah. I think it's I think it's 25. I, she doesn't know it, but I'm I'm trying to maybe pull together something special on that 25 mark. But uh, I know God knows when we were married, we really eloped and and, and went to Virginia City, Nevada, and we, there was no way of getting our families together and the rodeo career was going on. So we got married in Virginia city, Nevada of all places. So I'd love, I'd love to honor her in a bigger way here. Uh, if given that opportunity in the, in the next uh, year or so. So very good plan, Scott. Very good plan. Well, let me ask you this. What set you on the path to being a rodeo cowboy? Well, I mean, what's the history behind that? Well, that's exactly it. You know, Jimmy, I think it is a lot of history. You know, my grandfather in the 1940s, he flew in World War II, um, and he had six brothers in Central California, the Mendes brothers, and they all rodeoed and competed, and they were just in that golden years of professional rodeo. It was called the Cowboy Turtle Association at that time. They would compete in Boston, Madison Square Garden, San Francisco Cow Palace, but because my grandfather rode bulls and I saw pictures hanging in my dad's house, my dad was a tough bull rider. It was just something that eventually, and I tell people all the time, I didn't choose destiny. It chose me. Um, I'm a big guy, six one. I wanted to play football. My older brother raised me here in Fort Worth on the streets and we played football. And so I thought, man, Dallas Cowboys in the early seventies, they were, they were the team. And so, uh, at six one, isn't that a little big for a bull rider? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. But but you know the good thing is is other guys that are six one have a little hope that they can make it as well. So uh, it, it's all really the way that you're made up. You know, if you have a large upper body and short legs, that's a little challenging. But if you have all legs like me and a short upper body, nobody notices that. But that can be a blessing. You can get those legs wrapped around those animals. And I'm sure you're hanging on with everything you've got. <laughs> yes, you are. You know, another thing you told me that I thought was really, really interesting. You were born on the 4th of July. Is that right? Absolutely. I, I think that might have something to do with it, too, because every 4th of July, it's known as the Cowboy Christmas. And if you're in professional rodeo or riding bulls, it, it's a time of opportunity to make a lot of money, but you have to travel to no ends. We, we actually would uh, charter uh, Cessna planes. We would go back and forth from Canada. I mean, all over on that weekend. I mean, we would make 10, 12 rodeos in six days. It was, it's crazy to think about that now, but that's, that's what they're doing today. That's what we did. But being born on the 4th of July, I just absolutely love um, the ability to be a rodeo cowboy. Well, our cowboys have a cowboy code, and they're very American as well, which is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, with, without a doubt. Uh, the things that I'm exposed to now with the ministry and traveling back then, uh, it's just so important that we do uh, 
you know, understand what our, what our country was made of. I'd mentioned my grandfather, those guys back in 1940, they were tough. And, uh, you know, what's amazing is I never heard my grandfather talk about his missions in the army, but he, all he wanted to talk about was, was rodeo and bull riding. So he was really, uh, my hero. My dad, you know, taking the time from all the ranch work to put me on some baby calves at the age of five, six years old. I started riding at a branding, uh, you know, campfire, uh, out working cattle. And from there, I had no idea that God wanted to use my life as a cowboy, but eventually I would come to that knowledge. Have you been a Christian all your life? No, actually, uh, I had God's hand on my life. I grew up as a very dysfunctional childhood. My mom was from Texas. My dad was from out on the West Coast where I was born in California, but he would eventually move to Reno, Nevada, where I competed in high school rodeo. We were there my junior high and high school years. But uh, my mother uh, was a pastor's daughter, and my grandmother taught me the Word of God sitting on the edge of her bed. Uh, my mom had a lot of challenges. She would leave me and my older brother, uh, who is a half-brother here in Texas, with my grandmother and pastors and just a lot of dysfunctional stuff. But I was so glad that my grandmother did tell me that God could use my life if I put him first. And so when I was with my dad around the Cowboys on the West Coast, I had no ability or godly influence, and all I knew was to be tough like the other cowboys. And so somehow, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, he allowed me to put those two worlds together. And so today I'm a rodeo chaplain. <laughs> I think that's absolutely <laughs> amazing. Well, during the time when you were really on top of your game, so to speak, a world champion, famous, money coming in, was it difficult to live a Christian life under that bright light of fame? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. You know, as I just kind of pause in my own heart and I look back at that time, um, it, it certainly was. I, I think some of the guys in the maybe the seventies and eighties, they might have had a few rodeo pastors here and there. Uh, in my, in my career was, you know, from the early nineties all the way through the nineties. I retired in 2005, but you know, I don't know if it was taking a stand for God in the arena was one aspect when you're dealing with, you know, your peers, but you also have your fans, you have your, um, your, your planning, you know, you've got managers, you're trying to make decisions. And so I think the greatest thing was once I took a stand for the Lord was I, I meant it in my heart. And, and that was right out of the gate. It was going to have to be something that would be backed up. And so when I took the stand for the Lord, uh, the first thing was was the money thing, you know, my endorsements. Well, how, how just before you start on that, how old were you when you made that kind of a decision? Yeah, um, I was I didn't go to college and I was a, a two time Nevada state champion bull rider. I went to college for one day, competed with the team. I knew in my heart, not even being a man walking with the Lord, I knew that I didn't want to go to college just because there was so much that I could have got sidetracked on coming out of high school, girls, drugs. I just made a decision right there that I wanted to get into pro rodeo as quick as possible. So at 18, when I started my professional career, it took me a couple of years to get my qualifications. But I, I really stood for the Lord about halfway through my career. And it came from a defining moment where I watched one of my best friends killed on a day that I was in a position to win a world title in 1994. So in that defining moment, I was probably around 24, 25 years old. And I realized that day 
that I wasn't living right for God. I thought I was deceived in my own mind by the enemy to thinking I had to have something in order to be used of the Lord. And the Lord showed me very clearly through my friend's death that what is it that a man gained the whole world, but he loses his own soul in the process. And I was driving to get something to use it for God. God said, I want to know who you are before you ever get that platform that you're looking for. So he, he straightened me out. Unfortunately, it took a defining moment to do so. I'm glad it happened. And now you're touching a lot of people. You know, I listened to you speak on Facebook Live here a week or so ago, and you said some very interesting things. Uh, you were talking about courage, for one thing, that, that we need in the days and the time that we live. And boy, I'll tell you what, we need some courageous people. And then you said this, it's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. And you asked the question, what are you willing to give up to follow Jesus? Talk to us about that whole thought a little bit. Yeah, that's, um, you know, obviously if I was ministering, that was straight from, from the Lord. But, you know, when I, when I look at life and I, and I, and I look at, you know, maybe some of the decisions that I had to make, a lot of them, I couldn't have made them separate from him. You know, the scripture says, apart from him, we can do nothing. And I truly believe that. And as I look at a lot of my friends and the, and the young people I get to minister to, a lot of times we think if we just maybe answer an altar call uh, or if we go to church or maybe we're a good person in our heart, that's that's going to be enough. But really, you have to know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so to, to be able to make a decision to understand no matter what, you draw a line in the sand, you're not going backwards, you're going forward. And I know the enemy is very masterful at, at, at questioning the things that God has already clearly outlined in his word. And so I made a decision that no matter what, I was going to live for God, no matter what it cost me um, or how I would have to go about it. And so the question is, as you read the scripture leading into this broadcast, um, I think that the Lord examines our heart and he knows our heart. And so I got to the point where I couldn't play cards with God anymore. I, I had to show him my hand. If he knows all the hair on my head, he knows what I'm thinking before I think it. How could I, uh, you know, look better or make myself out to be what, what I knew in my own heart that I wasn't. And so whatever it may cost me or cost you, it could be different for somebody else. But the commitment is, is what is our character on the inside? And that word character has been something of a life journey for me because as I took the stand for the Lord, I have to take a stand in my ministry, my family, my community, and, and, and those things I can't do without God's help. And so every day as I renew my mind to his word, he helps me to make a decision. And, and it's a decision I couldn't make without him. And so leading into it, no matter what it costs, I want to do what the word requires me to do. I'll tell you, that is absolutely wonderful. And somebody might be listening and thinking this, well, Scott was rich and famous. It's easy for him to say, but I want you to go back and talk a little bit about being a founder of PBR and what happened not too long after that. Yeah, those, those, those were a good time uh, in, in my career. You know, I'd made the national finals for pro rodeo a few times, I believe in 91, 92. The end of 92, we actually incorporated 20 guys. We all gave a thousand dollars. I was in a room with my heroes actually, because I was the young guy making the finals at that time. And the guys that go to the finals are usually the guys that have paid their due. And, 
and kind of know that that's what they want to do for a living. But at the, at the foundation of the PBR, I understood that I was exactly where I wanted to be. The, the Lord would just challenge my own heart because I, I realized as I was making decisions, uh, some of the decisions, you know, would I be endorsed by tobacco and alcohol? And I realized, you know, after the bull riding was over on Saturday night in Denver, I was speaking at a church and everything I had, my attire, my equipment, all this stuff had endorsements. And I realized the Lord just started showing me that if I was going to be an effective witness and be used of him, that I needed to make sure that I was putting my time, my thought, my speech, everything in agreement with him. And so it just got to a place to where uh, if I was not going to take those endorsements, there would be rules and things like that that would come in effect. And it seemed to me that, you know, it, it, it was just persecution but, you know, I read the scripture and I find out very clearly that, that they first hated Jesus. So they're certainly going to hate us in that walk that we exemplify. And so when I was in the locker room, I had a witness with those guys. When I was signing autographs, I had a witness with the fans. But, but through it all, I know that the Lord commissioned me to work with kids and to go on to win a gold buckle in pro rodeo. That was exciting. And, and that platform that I have today, my true heart's desire, no matter where I'm speaking or teaching, is to glorify him with that. And to do that, I have to get me out of the way. But I do know it's important to go back and, and look sometimes to remember where we came from. And uh, the PBR is a great machine. It's no different than any other sport. Uh, but at the same time, we have to understand uh, as a Christian, how do we want to live our life? And that's really the result of why. I put together a Christian bull riding league that is focused on the family. And as I train these young men, I want them to know who they are so that if God does call them to a worldly stage, they will be ready in character and not fall because we know where your, your talents can take you where your, your character may not sustain you. You know, uh, I, I know you're being uh, to a degree, a little bit humble here, but the PBR is the big dog out there in bull riding, especially what was it in the nineties and so forth. I mean, that, that was dominant in television sports and you were a part owner in that. You walked away from that. Am I right? Yes, sir. I did. And so and the truth is you walked away from millions of dollars. Yeah. And, and, and again, uh, Mr. Jim, that's that the reason that I walked away because in my heart, I knew I wanted to be where God was and what he was doing. I'm not condemning those guys that can have endorsements of those things. For me, where I was and the the challenging upbringing and dysfunctional childhood and and not really having any supervision in my life, you know, people don't realize it. But if you put something up your nose or you drink something or you get involved in, uh, uh, you know, some kind of a side road, you know, drugs and alcohol and, and women, those things can really uh, affect your life forever. I had so much of a love for my bull riding and I set out and I told everybody that I was going to be a world champion. I had to do whatever it would take to do those things. And, and I put some goals out in front of me. If anything, I probably maybe didn't have big enough goals because I wanted to win the world so bad that once I did that, I'd realized I could use that for the Lord. And it was time just naturally at my age to go into working the ministry. And so I, I challenge young people to have big dreams, have big goals. Don't ever limit God or put him in a box. 
And, and for me, when all that persecution, all those divisions between organizations that I wrote in, it was vitally important for me to, 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 to realize people were looking at my life. And I look today at my marriage with my wife of 25 years. And, and that's a testimony because of the lifestyle in which I came from. And so those things are exciting to look back on. Well, now you and your family are involved in Western Harvest Ministries and Conquering the Beast Writing League, which I think is a terrific name. What are, what are you doing in those organizations exactly? Well, Western Harvest is my ministry. And, uh, you know, we, we go on, we put on bull riding schools. I became a rodeo chaplain. We do rodeo Bible camps. Uh, I'm really blessed by my ministry partners, USAYO, that's short for Youth of America. And as I travel and speak, I get to help people to understand the world and the background in sports and the profession that I had um, and to use that as a platform. And so really what Conquering the Beast is all about, Jim, is that it's the inward struggle that an individual may have when they're trying to walk for God and they're dealing with their flesh, they're dealing with the culture, they're dealing with an enemy, an arch enemy, Satan, that tries to come steal and kill and destroy. And so conquering the beast is really renewing the mind behind the scenes. The decisions we make, if they line up with God's will, we will be victorious. But if they're not, and they're self-gratifying, and they take you to a different platform, you, you may not get the harvest that, you're lo- that you long for in your heart. Conquering the beast has a lot more to do with character than uh, riding a bull, or both. <laughs> Well, we use the the parallel. You know, I don't want to get too far away. I have the ability in my clinics to really help men to continue to ride bulls at a high level, and I want to do that. But one thing we do at the beginning of our clinic is we get it straight by saying, where is your heart? Why are you doing this? And so we want to give them the skills in the arena, but we're more concerned as a ministry to know where their heart is. It's very hard to compete at a world champion level. If there's something in there, let's just say one of the beasts, we actually identify the beast. It could be pride, lust, fear, anger, rejection. Once we get those things to the front and we own those and we overcome them by the grace and the help of God, now we can go in to compete and be a true witness uh, for him in any profession. And so that's kind of the background of that. Do you find that these young people really want that? I mean, are they craving that kind of... Uh help? Um, I do. And that's what's unique about it. You know, going back to the meaning of conquering the beast is they come to a bull riding clinic or they watch a video on YouTube of one of my rides or something. They're really drawn into that. And so we just want to shift all conversations to, to the Lord. If possible, we can have fun with the bull ride. You know, we have a, a four horse trailer and a bucket machine. It's electronical. And we go around to all these public forums and we we share our testimony we ride the machine and just have a relationship with the kids but you know i think at the end of the day all of us were built with a jesus hole we've heard that so much but there's a part of us in our free will that if we don't take that back into that relationship we're never ever going to be happy we're always going to be a victim and we're not going to be what god created us to be and so Yes, I think the bull riding is um, a fun lifestyle. It's an incredible, crazy sport. But there's so many kids that watch it on TV and young adults, and they want to do that. And so we have an opportunity to step in there 
love on them, share the gospel, have fun with them, and set them on a journey. You know, one last thing, which I didn't uh, mention that I might ask you this, but I was watching programming today a little bit about what's going on in America with all these riots and so forth around the country. Would you mind just giving a couple of minutes on how you feel about all of that? Absolutely. I really appreciate you allowing me to share that. Um, You know, I think the spirit that is against America right now, it's it's come against America a few times in history in, in a very powerful way. As believers, as we read the scriptures, we know to discern the signs of the time. If you're not saved and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I don't know how you get out of bed in these challenging times or what you may think is going to be around the corner. But either way, how you look at it, what's what's happening today is, is just it's a trial run, in my opinion, of, of what, what the body of Christ is going to rise up and be the leaders and the influencers and the shapers of our culture. Or are we going to neglect that position and allow media and other agendas from, from other places to come to our shores and come against us? There is a lot of pain. There's racism. There's, um, protesting. There's a lot of stuff that's happening. I know the gentleman, George, that was, was murdered on the streets of Minneapolis. We all agreed that that was a very bad thing. And what we need to do is we need to pray and we need to obey and we need to get involved with our families and our communities. And I'm not always sure that the church at a corporate level is, is the best answer, but I do believe in the church where we have to operate with the gifts and the word of God as the tool to plant what we get. You know, if America has problems, it could be that we're reaping what we sowed and we need to get back to the elementary teachings of our heavenly father. And we love all men. Uh, we hate to sin and we love the sinner and we get about business and try to turn these communities back on fire for God. And so in other words, there is a revival that we need to pray for if we will humble ourselves to do so. And, you know, all of you who are athletes, and you've told me that you have connections with hundreds of top athletes around the country, I think so many of you have an opportunity to speak to the youth now in a way that you maybe haven't even had before to these kinds of issues. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and you know, the thing is, is we have to be prayed up as ministers of the gospel. We have to be sensitive to the leading of God's spirit to where we're doing everything with purpose and we're not just aimlessly hanging on and being told or drifting here or there. We know when we get out of bed in the morning, when we're walking in life with our family, that, that these things are, are lurking. And, and so we need to address them. But yeah, the, the other athletes that I get to speak with through USAO, my goodness, these guys are NBA, NFL. World strength feet, uh, uh, strength of, uh, I don't know how you say that, but feats of strength, world record holders. Uh, we have a whole panel of guys. And so for more information, just go to usao.org and, and get involved with those speakers. They're great guys. Well, that just that leads me to this question. Now, if people want to get a hold of your ministry, how do they do that? Well, we talked about that, Jim. The best way is just you can go to scottmendes.com. That's M-E-N-D-E-S. And there it's a big holding page. And you can click on the media, the ministry, all the outreaches. But obviously, westernharvestmedia.com is the ministry. 
And uh, we didn't talk a lot about it, but we're really producing a lot of content uh, for the body of Christ and for the world today through motion pictures and documentaries. I absolutely love that because I believe that's one avenue that this world is, is, is missing that we've got to get back and, uh, and make sure that people, when they're watching entertainment with their family, it's wholesome, it's clean, and it's challenging us to be better Christians. I'll tell you what, I'd like to do another podcast with you in the near future, and you can talk a little bit about uh, Western Harvest Ministries and and movies and media and those kinds of things. I think it would be a a wonderful thing to do if you're willing. Oh, absolutely. I am am a partner, Jimmy. I believe what you're doing. I can't wait to show my kids some of the books and more of your website. Uh, I'm on board. I'm really grateful for you having me on today. Well, thank you for coming. Is there anything else you want to say to young people out there? Well, yeah, I definitely want to say, you know, um, even though we just touched on it briefly towards the end of this interview, um, it's a challenging time to live in. But, you know, if you are in a covenant relationship with God, he's going to see us through this. He's going to give us the ability to overcome anything that's coming against us. I think my biggest heart would be make sure that you have a relationship with God. You know, religion is when we worship God for what he's done in the past, but we resist him for what he's trying to do in the present. And these times, as challenging as they are, it's not good enough to know about God. We have to know Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man come unto the Father but by me. And so for all of your viewers and listeners, conquer the beast in your life. Get engaged with God's plan of what's going to happen in this world. I cannot wait to see that eastern sky rip open And our Lord, King of Kings, returned back on a white horse. So I'm challenging all my cowboy friends and everybody on this podcast, let's be ready. Let's be anticipating the return of our Lord. Man, I am with you. I'm ready for that. (laughs) This world needs the return of Jesus. Well, thank you, Scott. And thank all of you for listening today. I appreciate it so much. And just remember this, you have a story as well, and it might even be better than you think, and I would love to hear it. If you'd like to contact me, you can do it at mygrandpajimmy.com or mygrandpajimmy at gmail.com for an email. And there on my website, you'll even find the new book that uh, Scott mentioned, Wrinkly Brinkly, for kids about 8 to 12 years old. So thank all of you for listening, and have a blessed day. 